Hey everyone, this is Dr. Nick Hoffman at the Marist School. Welcome to Tales from the Social Studies Department, the podcast where the students tell you the stories that they wish were on the curriculum. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Nick Hoffman at the Marist School. Welcome to Tales from the Social Studies Department, the podcast where the students tell you the stories that they wish were on the curriculum. Hi, my name is Jia Brooks Blair. And I'm Abby Owen. And we are investigating the H.H. Holmes murder house during the World's Fair in 1851, which took place in Chicago. H.H. Holmes was born as Herman Webster Mudgett in New Hampshire in 1861. As an adult, he abandoned his young wife and child in 1885 to move to Illinois. Once he was there, he changed his name to Holmes, reportedly as in homage to the fictional English detective Sherlock Holmes, the literary creation of author Sir Sir, uh, <laughs> Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Soon after his arrival in the Chicago area, Holmes took up a work at a pharmacy located near Jackson Park. Eight years later, Jackson Park would become the site of the 1893 World's Fair. He murdered the husband and wife, owners of the pharmacy, and then made it his own and built it up. Later, he sold it and used the profit from the pharmacy to build the land on which he would build his famous murder castle to kill people during the World's Fair. Um, Holmes was married, married his first wife, Clara, in 1878. He was only about 19. Two years later, the couple had a son, but Holmes soon abandoned them and married Myrda Belknap in 1887, even though he had not yet divorced Clara. He filed a divorce a few weeks after, but the papers never went through. Finally, he married Georgiana Yoke on January 17th. 1894 in Denver, Colorado, not long before he was arrested for insurance fraud. So te technically, Holmes was still married to Clara Murda and Georgiana when he was put to death in 1896. Now on to the World's Fair. The World's Fair... Oh. <laughs> fun, fun fact about Holmes is uh, he was a player. <laughs> okay. Enough about Holmes and now on to the World's Fair. The World's Columbian Exposition was a World's Fair held in Chicago in 1893 to celebrate the 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus's arrival to the New World in 1492. The centerpiece of the fair, held in Jackson Park, was a large water pool representing the voyage Columbus took to the New World. The fair debuted some of the world's most revolutionary inventions and concepts known to mankind. In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. <laughs> H.H. Holmes created a castle and framed it as a hotel to get people to come. He used the money from the pharmacy he sold to create this huge, amazing place to bring people in. When the people got to the hotel, he would check them in and act like he was taking them to their room. But actually, he was taking them to the basement where he would murder them. He did this to every family who came into his hotel that actually was a murder house. He had to kill everyone that came in because he could not let, let it get out that he was murdering the people that came into his hotel because he wanted to keep it going so he could sell more bodies to science. He did this to every person and every family that came into the castle. Historians believe Holmes, a masterful and charismatic con artist, had swindled money from his drugstore employers. He purchased an empty lot in the Inglewood neighborhood of Chicago and built a, a labyrinth structure with shops on the first floor and small apartments above. This edifice became <laughs> is edifice. Edifice became known as Holmes's booby-trapped murder castle. <laughs> oh.
This edifice became known as Holmes's Booby Trapped Murder Castle. According to <laughs> According to sensationalist reports, the base featured soundproof rooms like the one we are in, secret passages, <laughs> and a disorienting maze of hallways and staircases. The rooms were also allegedly outfitted with trapdoors over chutes that dropped Holmes's unsuspecting victims to the building's basement. The basement claims said was a miss. Um, to be sorry, Macabre facility of acid vats, pits of quicklime, often used on decaying corpses, and a crematorium, which the killer used to finish off his victims. All of these descriptions, however, were described by what we were likely, what were likely overly embellished or even fabricated news reports from the nineteen from the eighteen nineties. There were four floors. One was supposedly burnt down, but he had rebuilt it, and no one had ever been to it. Now so, we will move on to what what he did what with he did the, the bodies. bodies. <laughs> now, on to a more sad note, with what he did with all of the bodies of the people that he killed. H. H. Holmes sold all of the bodies of the people that he killed to medical science. As a former medical student, Holmes had many connections that enabled him to sell his victims' skeletons to local labs and schools. He and sometimes a hired assistant were accused of stripping the flesh of the bodies. Dissecting them and preparing the viable skeletons. The rest of the remains would be tossed in pits of lime or acid, effectively effectively breaking down the remaining evidence. Okay, so as okay, so as H. H. Holmes was um, found and um, caught wanted in multiple different cities, he had changed his name. So every single city he went to, he had a different name, and the name that he was born with was Herman Herman Mudgett, and the name he died with was H. H. Holmes. So, yes. And one of his famous quotes is, I was born with the devil in me. Uh, I cannot help the fact that I was a murderer, no more than the poet can help the inspiration to song, nor the ambition of intellectual man to be great. The inclination to murder came to me as naturally as the inspiration to do right comes to the majority of persons, which sounds kind of crazy to me. Me too. Yeah. He's a weird dude. <laughs> Psycho. <laughs> so now onto some of the reasons about why he was wanted by in all these different cities. Yes. And why did he change his name? Yes. Exactly. Yes. By the time Holmes his had arrived in Chicago in eighteen eighty six, he was a wanted man. As a con artist and a bigamist, bigamist he fled from one town to the next, avoiding prison time for various scams, including the insurance fraud of a ghastly nature. Holmes was stealing and mutilating medical cadvers and pretending that they were victims of accidents to collect money. But Holmes had more monstrous ideas tinkering in his dark mind. Soon after arriving in Chicago, he found work as a pharmacist and quickly began plans on building a murder castle, a three-story building that took up the entire block of 63rd and Wallace Street. Holmes called it the World's Fair Hotel to accommodate tourists who were arriving in droves for the 1893 Columbian Exposition. His victims of choice, young female drifters searching for a new exciting life in the big city during the World's Fair. Ooh. 
After being sentenced to the death penalty, he requested to be buried in concrete. Holmes asked to be buried 10 feet under in an encased con- in encased concrete because he did not want grave robbers to... <laughs> Sorry, technical difficulty. He did not want grave robbers to... <laughs> he did not want grave robbers to exhume and later dissect his body like he did to others. Despite being somewhat odd, the request was granted in the end. Going back to the point of him... Going back to the point of him benefiting off of killing all of these people, he when people would come toward his murder castle and people would see the bones laying all ev- everywhere, he would tell people that he was a, do- a doctor to explain all of the bones, but in reality he was selling them to science to make lots of money. Money. Now on to his execution. On May 7th, 1896, Henry Howard Holmes was executed by hanging for the murder of his associate Ben Pitzel. Despite Holmes' confession of killing 27 other people, some of those people were later discovered to be alive and well. He was officially linked to nine murders. Some estimate Holmes had killed up to 200 people, but these claims were exaggerated. Just before his execution, Holmes was said to be pleasant and calm. The only request he had was for his body to be buried in 10 feet, 10 feet deep into the ground with his castic encased in cement. He didn't want grave robbers to dig his body up and use it for dissection. When Holmes was finally hung from the gallows, it was his. It was said his neck did not snap. Instead, he died a slow death, his body twitching until he was finally pronounced dead 20 minutes later, which Ooh. is very uncommon. I usually, whenever you're hung, it's like... You're dead automatically. Yeah, you're dead like automatically. But he hung for 20 minutes. Like, alive and struggling for air. I know. Crazy. He kind of deserved it, though, right? Yeah, he killing. deserved to, like, suffer exactly. for his death, so, like, you know, For all it's of his of people he killed, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, one of the... <laughs> the main people he had murdered in the known murders of Holmes were his business associate and his family. The Pitzel family were no- the known victims of Holmes, the father, Ben, and his three children, daughters, Alice and Nellie, and his little son, Howard. The family was killed during the fall of 1894. Instead of using a cadaver, Holmes used formal business, used former business partner Ben as part of his insurance fraud scheme. Holmes knocked Ben out and killed him by setting him on fire. Although there's a lengthy list of other potential victims Holmes may have murdered, these nine victims have been possibly, plausibly attributed to the serial killer's killing spree. While reports suggest Holmes killed as many as 200 people in his sinister liar. Sorry, in his sinister lair, his actual number of victims may have been much lower. People just over-exaggerated it. This number is still debated by historians. Yes, it is. He admitted to 27 murders, but not sure exactly how many people he had killed because many believed it was well over 200. So it's somewhere in between 9 and 200 people. (laughs) One of the craziest facts about this whole entire podcast is that he knew from his childhood that he was going to be a murderer based on the quote that Abby said before. (laughs) 
I just think it's so crazy that, like, he knew he was going to be a murderer from a child. And, like, he didn't try to do anything about it. And he, he knew just that's followed... what he was supposed to do. Exactly. He or was not like, supposed to do, but, like... Like, wanted to do. Like, he knew he was it was his calling or something. And he was born um, into an affluent family. And he had a very privileged childhood. And he still felt the need <laughs> to, to be a murderer. To be a murderer. Like... Ugh. He was also very, like, unusually intelligent for his age. And so... <laughs> That's very suspicious. That is suspicious because he, like, if he was, especially if he was, like, intelligent, there's so much more he could have done with his life. So, like, there are so many haunting signs of um, him being a murderer from a child. Um, Well, well, he especially, he expressed that he had an interest in medicine and things like that. So, like, he could have been, like, a doctor doctor, and, like, he, like, wanted to practice surgery on animals. (laughs) He wanted to practice surgery on animals. But, like, I think that just led to him, like dissecting people the way that he did wanting murder um oh also uh people think that he was could have been responsible for the murder of his friend he was because remember he was he might have been because he was responsible for the murder of like one of his close co-workers isn't that crazy the root of all of his like fraud and stuff like that is so he um became a medical student at the university of michigan and he began to stole steal corpses from like the labs and stuff and he would use these corpses to make false insurance claims and like that's why he was um accused of insurance fraud so many not accused but like he committed insurance fraud multiple times Mm -hmm. and that's possibly where it could have all started he also used these bodies that he stole from this college lab for experiments and that's uh, foreshadows the way he had this whole lab in his murder castle basement and dissected these people. Exactly, and wanted to kill all these people so that he could do more of his science on them. Yes, and so, like, that leads, that foreshadows him working into a pharmacy and then using the money off of the pharmacy to buy the murder castle and what he did in the murder castle. Yeah, weird stuff. One another thing was that since this was during the World's Fair, which is pretty early, mid eighteen hundreds, around the mid eighteen hundreds, and he was actually America's first real serial killer. Like we saw it on a website and looked it up, we were like, "There's no way." But that's like, also crazy to think that he was the world's first serial serial killer, and it was in the eighteen fifties. Exactly. That's I mean, why maybe we that's didn't kind of morbid. It. Yeah. That was America's. <laughs> Oh yeah, that that, it, we, that is kind of bad that we thought it would be earlier. earlier because it kind of ex- like rap- explains America's history and how there's yeah. so many like recently, Murderers. maybe currently. Yeah, but it is just crazy. It's just I just think it's so weird because like you would think that like a serial killer would kill like a lot of people and the fact that he is but, really known to only kill. T- 20 he was uh, and considered he, a serial killer he's confirmed to kill have killed nine people even though he admitted he to admitted 27. to 27 people but it's just weird to think that the first serial killer was so like his murders were so just strategically planned out and like how it was so like scientifically planned especially since like um knowing his background being born in an affluent family and then going to the university of michigan and then just he becomes and he goes into this pharmacy so you think he's on the route to become a doctor and then he becomes he uses that money to become a like a murderer like but like he wasted his life basically in a in like a strategic way which is strange yeah so like if you think about it like 
a lot of like most murderers are probably like geniuses but like just use that for the wrong way yeah and on another point it was also really strategic for him to build up like the myrtle cast the murder castle and like get it going during the during the world's fair because that was whenever he was going to have the most business especially since of all the people coming in because of the fair that just gave him way more people that he could just take to the basement and kill them yeah and yeah Okay, basically, to wrap up this whole murder castle story is basically, basically that... he was insane. Yeah, A.T. Holmes was a pretty insane man. I'm insane. <laughs> they'll, they'll tell you I'm insane. That is a quote from Taylor Swift, um, who was also very educated and got her honorary doctorate, doctorate from NYU. Boom. Boom. Yeah. Okay, thank you for listening. Thank That's you it. for listening. I hope you had fun listening to, to our, our podcast. Or our podcast, podcast conversation. Yeah. About the H.H. Holmes murder castle. We would castle. love to hear what you think. Yes. Research it more. It's such an interesting topic. And there's so much to talk about. Yes, there's go so much to talk hours. about. We could go on for hours, but these were just some of the main points that we wanted to make sure we touched on. Thank you, Dr. Hoffman. Thank you, Dr. Hoffman. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Hoffman. <laughs> Bye. Woo. <laughs> Tales from the Social Studies Department is a podcast of the Marist Podcasting Experiment and executive produced by Dr. Nick Hoffman. All views expressed herein are the views of the podcaster and not of Marist School, Dr. Hoffman, or the Social Studies Department at Marist School. Thank you. Tales from the Social Studies Department is a podcast of the Marist Podcasting Experiment, and executive produced by Dr. Nick Hoffman. All views expressed herein are the views of the podcaster and not of Marist School, Dr. Hoffman, or the Social Studies Department at Marist School. Thank you.